Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. G'day and welcome to The Call. 10 stocks picked by you, two experts, one hour. It is Wednesday, the 6th of July. I'm Andrew Gagan. Good to have your company. Our two experts on the show today. Carl Kapalinga from Think Markets and Henry Jennings from Marcus Today. Welcome to both of you. I'm just taking a look at the market at the moment. The heat mat, in fact, it is glowing red in the material sector and energy. My goodness, those moves overnight particularly with the oil price, uh, quite something to be seen. Um, I guess as we're seeing that uh, strengthening US dollar, global growth concerns, concerns that China's going to move back into lockdown. Henry, how are you looking at commodities at the moment? Uh, hi, Andrew. Hi, Carl. Yeah, I guess the commodity trade has been the very crowded trade. And I, I wrote in the newsletter some uh, weeks ago that one day I would wake up and the oil price was down 10% and I was looking at $80 for oil. Uh, last night it actually got below 100 bucks and it was down that 10%. So eventually it happened. That crowded trade, it did seem to me that it was impossible for the world to be talking about recession, global growth fears, which have been whacking all the commodity prices so far. And oil was there as a rock in a, uh, in a storm, I guess, and, and ignoring all this kind of chatter about the global recession. So eventually it came home to roost. As far as the sector goes, I've got to say, you know, you're starting to look at um, levels which may look quite attractive. I know commodity prices are falling hard, so the sentiment is well and truly against it. But when you look at a stock like BHP, which we're going to look at in a minute, you know, the yield on this thing is starting to look pretty attractive. It is, in theory, yielding over 10%. And that's if you uh, assume that the dividend this half is not going to be that uh, boisterous and is not going to be up at the what was it two dollars seventy one that they had last this time last year um, and it's going to be more like two bucks they're still going to be paying four bucks in dividends this year which you know with a forty cent a forty dollar share price that's ten percent fully frank so mm. you know there are some attractions starting to come back in to this sector I don't think we're there yet as we say when we've got the uh, the road trip going on yeah but uh, certainly you know we have seen that the whole commodity cycle uh, kind of unravel. But bear in mind that we do have China, which has yet to stimulate. And at some stage, it will get on top of COVID. At the moment, you know, they're closing down because of 12 cases, mm. because there's a karaoke party going on. I mean, that is clearly ridiculous for the world's second biggest economy to continue that way. And you'd like to think that in the background, they're kind of working on a vaccine that will work which, uh, you know, we've obviously had that in the West, but they've been reluctant to take our vaccine. So I think China still remains a key to this commodity story. Yep. And at some stage it will bottom, but I'm just not sure it's yet. There still needs to be a little bit more pain, I suspect, to come. But uh, it will happen, as they say, as Rachel Hunter said. Yep. Uh, well, as you say, make that point there, a karaoke party bringing a nation of 1.3, 1.4 billion people <laughs> to its knees. It is quite something. Uh, Some Carl, party. Yeah, indeed. Um, Carl, uh, I'm just to look at the um, 
oil price there, as we've talked about, and those forecasts, City coming out with a target there is, is going down to 60, whereas I think it's JP Morgan, it'll be at 300. It's impossible <laughs> to know which direction which it's going to go. What, uh, maybe, oh, okay. can you, have you take well, a look at that? Take What's the chart telling you? Yeah, let's, well, let's sort out the mess then, shall we, between those two estimates. Um, I can see 83 if it continues to the downside. Um, I flagged this, I flagged this last week on the oil price um, so that the trend was changing, uh, that we'd seen peak oil there. Um, look, 83 probably is the, the target to the downside. There's, there's a pretty big level there from October last year, which for all intents and purposes should hold. Um, yeah, but that, uh, that trend's changed and I don't know, I mean, it's Henry mentioned the cycle, and that's what it is. And 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 if you're going to play these stocks, this is what you need to remember: is that yeah. you need to obviously have a, have, you know, I, I said it last time I was on the call. I said you're in these things for a good time, not a long time, uh, and you've got to be sensitive to when somebody calls time on the party or that they've, you know, you've just found out the kegs run out, because that's the time you want to leave. You don't want to be left holding, holding the bag, uh, you know, uh, with with trying to clean up clean up the mess afterwards. And yeah, look, I'm going to sound, I don't, I, maybe I'm going to sound a bit nasty here, but the, the writing's been on the wall for some time. Uh, and, and I've been on Ausbiz a number of times over the last few months, again, sounding the alarm on the material sector, specifically um, back in uh, April, May. I said, just be careful. I think the uptrend's over. I think the trend's changing. And literally two weeks ago, um, I was on my Friday segment. I came out and I said, "Sell BHP." I said, "Sell IGO." I said, "Sell Sandfire." I mean, I, you know, I've been, I've been, um, you know, a, a consistently a buy uh, mm. on the way up, uh, moved to a hold, and then two weeks ago, moving to a sell. So, well, let me just the, stop the charts. The charts, the charts flagged this a long time ago. So, yep. if you, you know, if you could read a chart, you wouldn't be surprised. Well, let's go there. In fact, uh, instead of our stock of the day, we'll, we'll talk about obviously how that commodities is playing out there. And you mentioned BHP. We'll also take a look at Woodside. Okay, so so talk us through then, uh, Carl, what you're seeing with uh, with BHP. Yeah, and look, Henry spoke to the the valuation of BHP, and I, and I, I totally agree. It looks very cheap. Um, a lot of the brokers have already forecast lower um, commodity prices down the track, so we're just getting the realization with commodity prices down somewhere between sort of you know thirty and forty percent over the last three months of what's already been factored into the price. So I, you know, whilst I, I've switched to the sell side here, I, I do think the downside is probably limited. And I, I had a client note um, during the week and I said, you know, be prepared for about a 30% haircut. Uh, now that still sounds pretty painful when you, when you look at BHP, you know, it, it, we could be talking low 30s here. Um, that's the bottom end of the range. It's the lows from 2021 around about that 32 level. But with the break now of 40, that support level at 40 becomes a, a resistance barrier. So it represents a, the break even point for so many investors who kept buying that as the bottom of the range. And if we move back into that level, it gives those investors the ability to break even. So they turn from demand to supply, and then you're into this sell the rally mode. So that would be the key level. Um, hey, if you're if you're a long-term five, 10 year, or, or, or doesn't matter what I say, investor, you're never gonna sell it. Everything I'm saying is irrelevant. If you're looking to buy, the message is clear though. I think you'll get better entry points. If you're an active investor slash trader, 
Uh, maybe there's a short selling opportunity here yep. uh, in line with the break of that trend. Um, if you're a more active investor, managing your portfolio actively, then I, I think it's, you know, well, I think it was time to get out, but I still, I still sticking with that thesis. All right, very quickly, because we're running short of time, we've got to get to Henry's view as well. Uh, Woodside, what sure. are you seeing there? Uh, let's have a, I'll just punch that one up. Um, look, it's a stronger trend. Uh, I, I don't think, look, I think the uptrend's over, but I can't say it's in, it's in that long-term downtrend just yet. So, you know, I, I think it's more of a hold, but the, the, the my hold on that hold is starting to slip as well. So let, let's call it manage your exit. Let's take some profit off the table. But again, if you're that longer term investor, you don't care what I say anyway, because you're going to hold them no matter what. But if you're an active trader, then that trend is starting starting to change, but much early stages than, than BHP. Okay, Henry, so let's start with your view on Woodside. Um, well, you've got to remember the Woodside isn't really an oil stock. It's more an LNG stock. And LNG around the world is the commodity of choice at the moment. The gas prices going bananas even though crude prices are going down i think i agree with carl in terms of that it's a hold at the moment it has also been clouded and dirtied i guess by the by the bhp merger of those oil and gas assets so it's not quite as clean and tidy as it was uh, it's now a sort of behemoth of the oil and gas sector so i think for me it's a hold but clearly if we do see more downside in oil which i think we will mm. then we will see uh, woodside come off in sympathy if nothing else okay and bhp and BHP, well, there is a price to buy it, and uh, it's probably not far off that. I don't think it'll go to the low 30s. I think it might go to the mid 30s. But, uh, you know, we are seeing this kind of rotation in crashes, really. We've seen tech crash in the US. We saw tech crash here. We saw the bank sector fall out of bed here. We've now moved on to the resource sector. And at the same time, we're seeing growth stocks here bouncing big time. Uh, after the June uh, tax loss sell-off. So uh, at some stage, we're going to be rotating back and people will be getting back out of banks and back into the BHPs of this world, but uh, not just yet. Okay. So maybe dig in at around 35, 36 bucks, perhaps. Fair enough. All right, let's get to the stocks as picked by you. The first five we're going to take a look at will be uh, Breville, MA Financial Group, Semiconductor ETF, Joyce Corporation and IGO. There we go. Uh, let's get to it then. Breville, Jude wanting to know about this. It is the manufacturer and marketer of home appliances across the globe uh, and recently announced an acquisition of the Italian-based uh, coffee group, uh, Lilit. Henry, Breville. And I guess, well, it's part of obviously that talk about what's going on with the discretionary sector at the moment. Well, there is that talk about the discretionary sector. And I guess, you know, we've seen a, a massive boom. Those retail sales last week, I think we're a record level. And what we're doing is we're spending on experiences rather than stuff at the moment. We spent on stuff during the lockdowns and the restrictions. And Breville did very, very well out of that, of course. But as we uh, have now witnessed, people are coming out to play. But COVID hasn't gone away, let's face it. And as the recession bites, uh, we may be spending more time at home and actually... Uh, Breville could be a winner again from this very well run retailer has been building up stock levels because of problems with the supply chain with China, uh, which obviously is a bit of a risk. Recently completed that takeover of that uh, high end coffee machine maker in Italy, which uh, I guess gives it some uh, some credentials in terms of uh, being an upmarket coffee machine company. So I think, you know, with Solly Lou behind this one, it's a really good retailer. I wouldn't be averse to buying this one here. And uh, as we head into um, the sort of the, the winter in 
Europe, etc., we may see people reverting back to more at home rather than out of home experiences. So uh, for me, Breville does look a little oversold, tax loss selling, etc. I'd be a buyer here. All right. Okay, Carl. I like Breville, yeah. I, I, I mean, I like the, the business, I like the management, I like the way they have just done so well through the pandemic. And uh, look, the, the problem is going to come, you know, your consumer products business, uh, as we, as a recession looms, potentially in the US, uh, you know, what are the odds there? I don't know, 55, 45, 60, 40, 50, 50, somewhere around there. In Europe, I think uh, we're, we're more skewed to, a recession occurring, probably less so over here. Um, but if you look at where you know their, their, their revenues come from, it is skewed towards um, you know Europe's about 27%, uh, US is a little bit more. So that that's the only problem I have uh, with it. But otherwise, um, based upon our earnings estimates, which are pretty conservative, a really conservative PE that I put on it, um, we got a fair value target of 23.48. So you know about 20% upside from here. The chart looks good. Uh, now, okay, let me qualify that. Uh, the chart looks terrible in terms of the long-term trend, but the short-term <laughs> trend is turning up. So it's one of those, um, we talked. I guess I talked about those resources companies where they're beginning uh, a long-term downtrend. Um, this one, uh, you know, it's obviously its trend is uh, far more pronounced, but you're starting to see signs that demand is coming in. Um, huge rally off those June lows now uh, moving back towards 20 bucks. So I can certainly get to a hold on the basis of, I like the business, and I think that the chart is, uh, short-term trend is turning up. But I'm a little bit shy in terms of going to a buy just yet. I just want to see a little bit more um, price action, a little bit more confirmation of this uh, fledgling short-term trend. Uh, and then, uh, you know, my, my bias would be more to move back towards a buy. But, you know, it's 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 just probably too early to tell on that basis. So strong hold if you've got it uh, and just watching if you don't. Okay. All right. That is Breville. Let's move uh, to our second stock, and that is MA Financial Group. Scott Wannington about this. In fact, he says after, he's, after the panel's thoughts, given uh, the company, he says it's been performing well around the past 24 months, and it's commonly referred to as a baby Macquarie bank uh, with a solid dividend yield and bright prospects still on the cards. Is this a, a pullback, which is a, a good opportunity to add to a diversified financial to the portfolio as a small... Waiting, in fact, specifically, he says that 3% waiting. Uh, Carl, how are you seeing MA Financial? Yeah, very specific from Scott. So I like the question. Um, yes, uh, if I squint, maybe it's a, it's a baby Macquarie. I mean, they are an asset manager. Uh, they have probably more of a skew towards residential property um, than sort of uh, Macquarie's more infrastructure and um, sort of ESG bent. Uh, also, they've got like a, a stockbroking business as well and um, sort of corporate advisory. So, um, you know, deal making, um, you know, uh, takeovers, mergers, acquisitions, those sorts of things. So, yeah, I can see the similarities there. Um, obviously, um, rising, they've got a bit of debt on the books. Rising interest rates a bit of a problem, um, potentially. You know, equity market returns down, funds under management a little bit lower, therefore lower fees coming uh, from that. Residential property, maybe there's some question marks over that as well. So I wouldn't just go, well, you know, it, it's an easy, simple case of, uh, of saying it's a diversified financial and buy. So I think there are potentially some earnings headwinds there. Uh, the, the chart is starting to turn around again. It's a bit like that Breville. 
where we have seen a bit of a rally from June, uh, sort of a rally, a pullback, a hold of those lows, and then another move up. But the long-term trend you can see there is too well established. So I can see enough in it again to go hold it if you have it. There's enough to say, well, I might get a bit more out of this rally. Uh, it's currently sort of testing five. I can see 575, 10th of May low there is a potential upside target. And if I had it, that's where I would look to reassess it, um, buy, hold, sell again. If I didn't have it, no, it's too early for me to call it a buy, unfortunately. Okay. All right. So that's a hold then. Henry. Um, I've got to say, you know, people do call this a baby Macquarie MA Financial. This is Molus. This is the old Molus, I guess. It's very, very thinly traded. Uh, there's only 78,000 traded today. So that is something to bear in mind. So it doesn't take an awful lot to get this one rocking and rolling, to be honest. And uh, a concerted buy attempt will push this one higher. Having said that, most of the brokers, and there's only a couple that follow this one, have got much, much higher price targets. The recent guidance that they released was relatively positive as well, yet the stock cratered. And I suspect this one got sold down for June 30 issues and is now bouncing because a lot of the dogs that we have seen going into the end of financial year uh, for tax loss selling have been bouncing really, really hard in recent days. And I guess we're getting back to some sort of true valuation, perhaps, rather than the, the distortion of the tax year. So I wouldn't be surprised to see this one back to six bucks, which is a pretty nice little 20% bounce in this one. So on that basis, you'd have to call it a buy. But just bear in mind that it is very thin and it is kind of a liquid. So you do need to bear that in mind going forward. So don't make it uh, the biggest position in your portfolio uh, and don't get too big for the market because ultimately you've got to get out as well as get in. But certainly for me, if this has got a $6 price target written all over it. It is a buy here. All right. A buy with caution. Taken. All right. Yeah. Moving right along uh, to an ETF, the semiconductor ETF, which is called SEMI. Uh, Dom Wannington about this, uh, saying it's a small holding in my portfolio. I bought the stock on the importance of semiconductors in manufacturing, uh, in particular, uh, that transition from um, internal combustion to electric vehicles, believing that EVs use twice as much twice as many semiconductors than traditional cars. Uh, it is down 15%, he notes, from his purchase price. So, wondering what he should do from here. Henry? Well, aren't we all, basically? Yeah. Uh, this is this is one of those ones where we're all kind of wondering where to go from here. This is very much skewed towards uh, TSMC, which has a 9.6% holding. If only we had the whisperer here, Andrew. Mm. If only we had the whisperer to talk about this one. But... Uh, you know, it's got a massive skew to uh, a, a few of the big semiconductor companies from uh, TSMC, Broadcom, ASM, ASML and NVIDIA as well. So there is a big, big skew to this and they've all been under huge, huge pressure, I have to say. Whether you buy it here, I, you know, it's, it's a really tough one, isn't it? It's fallen an awful long way. All these stocks, it is showing a smidge of an upturn, but we have seen these upturns before. And given that, uh, you know, we still have question marks over the global economy recession, the, the supply chain, the whole semiconductor business at the moment, I would just be a little cautious, I think, on this one. If you've got it and you own it, you're probably still a believer and you're still in the hold basket. But I think uh, for me, I'd like to see more signs or a little bit of more recovery before I piled in if I was a new investor to this one. So um, 
I think uh, one of uh, one of the the anchors on a rival channel last night had a really good saying, which I've been dying to use. So you pay more to learn more. So I think that is uh, important at the moment is that you're quite happy to get on board these things once they start mo moving. But uh, trying to pick the bottom is an old Chinese proverb and it doesn't always end well. And this one is one of those pin the tail on the donkeys for me. If you're holding, hold If other because you're a believer. But otherwise, I think for me, I just stand aside for the time being, wait for more evidence of the bounce. Okay. So, yeah, Carl, what, what trend are you seeing there on the chart then? Well, trend, trend doesn't look good, but yeah. obviously because it's an ETF, it's going to reflect the trends in, in the underlying uh, commodities in the underlying stock. So, you know, I had a look at the top 10 and uh, obviously in the fat sheet and then went and had a look at the charts and Taiwan Semiconductor, long-term downtrend, short-term downtrend, sell, ASML, sell, Broadcom, sell, NVIDIA, sell, Intel, sell, Advanced Micro Devices, sell, Texas Instruments, sell, Qualcomm, sell, Applied Materials, sell, Analog Devices, sell. So uh, now everything Don, uh, Dom said at the start all makes sense, but uh, you know this uh, thesis that makes sense uh, should not determine buy, hold or sell uh, because those theses um, may not be shared with the rest of the market. And uh, even if they are shared with the majority of small investors, it doesn't mean the money that moves the market uh, but believes that thesis either. And again, the, the trends, the charts are the, the best um, tool, the best insulation, the best protection I think you have against making uh, mistakes like this, where you say, well, in the, in the long term, in the big picture, this is the case. Uh, but, you know, it, it, there's a timing issue uh, and maybe you're going to be right. Uh, just looking at those charts, look, again, this idea of about a 30% haircut, I think it's pretty consistent again. So I, they've had a huge, uh, huge fall. I do think they're closer to the bottom than, that, than they are to the top, if that's any consolation. Um, but as far as buying this now, no, that would, uh, that would completely be ruled out by my, uh, by my methodology. Okay, but worthy of holding it then if you've got it. No, I don't think so. No, oh, I don't okay. think it's a hold based upon those charts. Yeah, I think, as I said, potential 30% haircut from here. Yep. Okay. All right. Let's move on to Joyce Corporation. Uh, Xavier wanting to know about this, saying it was recently mentioned on Ausbiz. Uh, wants to get to your opinion um, on it. It's uh, what retail betting, franchising, kitchen, and the like, that sort of where. Um, so, Carl, Joyce Corporation. Yeah, interesting company. Uh, they own 51% uh, of Kitchen Connection, uh, Wardrobe Connection, and Wallspan. So these are you know, basically renovation companies uh, along the East Coast. They also own uh, Bedshed, uh, which is a range of uh, uh, company-owned and franchise-owned, uh, obviously, bedding stores around the country. So you've probably driven past, uh, you know, one of their uh, their bricks-and-mortar outlets in, in the not-too-distant past. Uh, so, look, you know, it, it's one of those uh, companies that uh, it doesn't look expensive. Earnings growth looks pretty reasonable up until this point. That's 7.3% fully franked yield. And I say up until this point because, you know, you, you have to have the, you know, the, 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 the telescope out there and the, the Nostradamus hat on as to what's going to happen uh, with the Australian housing market going forward. Obviously, interest rates are going up and, and what sort of impact and contraction there might be down the track and then how that's going to flow through to renovations. I would think these guys are pretty well insulated from that. Um, I think if the housing market does turn down, we tend to stay in the house. We've got a little bit more. We tend to do a few, a few more renovations. 
Having said that, the scale and scope of those renovations might be diminished by our, um, our disposable incomes, which are taking a little bit of a hit at the moment. And of course, we all need somewhere to sleep at night. So, you know, at the, at the end of the day, um, there's 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 a there's a business case there. So there, there's there's a there's a case on the valuation fundamentals. But the chart for me again, I'm a bit of a broken record today. Whilst I don't mind the business, I think the chart is turning down. The trend is turning down. That long-term uptrend is broken, and I don't want to ignore that. I don't want to ignore what the market's thinking about this. And the market is starting to say, well, maybe the good times are behind us, and we're going to factor in some risks now um, going forwards. It is a really really illiquid company. That's the other thing you need to consider as well. So if you get in, you might struggle a little bit to get out if you're a bigger investor. So yep. I, uh, I don't know that that chart is actually um, accurate, is it? Yeah, that chart might not be absolutely <laughs> 100% correct just looking at what's there on screen. Because stocks don't move so in a straight two, line, two we know that. At the <laughs> right. I'm, I'm going to go sell. I'm going to go sell based on the chart. All right. Okay. Henry? I've got absolutely no interest in this one, I'm afraid to say, Andrew or Carl. Um, it just doesn't trade. It, you know, the volume is absolutely minuscule. It is one of these stocks that trades by appointment. It's owned uh, yep. primarily by one family, uh, Smetana, Daniel Smetana. I don't know if I pronounced that correctly, but I, that's my stab at it. And it just, you know, he owns 36%. Other family members own stuff as well. You know, the last trade was on the 4th of July, and that was 5,000 shares. Previous to that, you know, it was 800 shares. and eight, It's just... You know, why be listed, to be honest? You know, it must cost you a fortune in listing fees. It just must make the staff happy to some extent. So absolutely zero interest in this buying or selling. It's just, you know, if you wanted to buy 20,000 shares, you could push it up to, um, you know, $2.65. If you wanted to sell them again, you're back down to $2.40. That's a 10% spread. Come on, it's just not worth it. Well, if you want to exercise your power, I guess. But yeah, uh, point taken. All right. Let's uh, round out the first half of the show with uh, IGO and uh, Kelly wanting to know about this. In fact, um, shares have fallen um, around a fifth just in the past month. Uh, it is exploring its battery metals, clean energy future, nickel, copper, cobalt. Uh, also has a 49% interest in a joint venture with Takani Lithium, uh, which has a stake in the Greenbush's lithium mine. Uh, and Henry, you'd be well across this. I, well, yes. I mean, it's one of the behemoths, I guess, in our lithium space. And it's recently taken over Western Areas, which was probably our only pure play nickel producer. Western Areas must be absolutely delighted about the timing of this because it couldn't have been better for shareholders in Western Areas. Uh, they got out pretty much at the top of the commodity cycle. And IGO, they haven't bought a lemon but uh, they, they have some premium, work to do, I guess. So again, they actually got a premium. They actually got a premium. Remember, they actually uh, got the the bid increased oh, know, because of the higher nickel price. Yes, I know. I know. I know they got a premium. So you know they yeah. they, they got out at absolutely uh, the best they possible time after that squeeze in the nickel price. Everything was working well for Western areas. And I've got to say, if you're a Western areas shareholder, you had been suffering for an awful long time uh, to get that result. So. The question now, I guess, is where IGO go from here. They've made a big bet on lithium. They've made a big bet on nickel. And at the moment, that bet is well and truly not paying off. So they have some work to do. But it is not a problem endemic just to IGO. This is across the board, I guess, in the commodity sector at the moment. And I could certainly see this one coming back. You know, we spoke about BHP. We spoke about Woodside. I could see this one continuing to struggle in this environment as sentiment is well and truly 
against the resources. And it's, you know, once you've been to the well and you've had your fingers burnt with a bit of mixed metaphors going on there, you're reluctant to go back to that. So it's going to take a little while. It's going to have to find a base. Maybe that base is around nine bucks where it came from. But uh, for me at the moment, this is one that requires a, a little bit of faith. And uh, yeah, that their timing in Western areas was absolutely impeccable for Western areas. Not so impeccable for IGO. They had to raise their prices, Carl says, because of that uh, nickel price mm, increase mm. to get it over the line. So yeah, no, I think this has got nine bucks written all over it. Uh, but at that price, I think I'd be starting to accumulate. So um, you know, you're nearer the bottom than the top. And I think that goes for the whole resource sector at the moment. At some stage, it will turn, um, but it's not yet. The, the lady is not for turning if the lady is the commodity sector. All right. So if it's going down to nine, you still, would you still sell it from here or, or hold on until it, uh, it hits? Well, the yeah, it's probably a, probably a sell because yep. you're going with the momentum at the moment. So, uh, you know, why not join the crowd? But uh, if, if, you're, if you're holding it and you believe, again, you're probably looking for an entry price to accumulate, but probably here it's a sell. Okay, fair enough. So, uh, Carl, how are you seeing it then? Look, pretty similar. Uh, you know, this this was on the way up, my favourite uh, battery metals play, and that hasn't changed. It's still my favourite battery metals play in terms of the assets that it's got, which I think over the medium to longer term, I, 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 gotta, I think the, the, the final value of IGO or the final story of IGO has not been written. Um, I think it looks really cheap, um, even after the WSA... I wouldn't call it a stuff up, but um, look, you know, obviously somebody's got to pay the pay the top, don't they? It happens in every cycle. Um, nickel prices, you know, have pretty much halved uh, spot nickel prices since then. Uh, but I've got a fair value target of thirteen dollars, which is way way above where it is right now. And and it's just it's just the multiples it's trading on, and the growth that we should get out of this as it really uh, as that lithium production really ramps up. And lithium prices hasn't come haven't come back. And here I am. Um, spouting about how much I really, I really love this stock. And I think it's fantastic, yet I'm still going to call it a sell. And this, uh, and I, again, I had this uh, client um, webinar during the week, and I said, you have to understand the disconnect, the inconsistency uh, in in uh, my um, uh, approach sometimes in that I can look at a company and I can absolutely love it and then turn around and call it a sell because the trend is down. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how much I love the company all that matters is what the market is doing. And we do have a short-term downtrend. It's well-established. The long-term trend has turned. And again, I'm working off this thesis of about a 30% haircut from here. Uh, but at some stage, it's going to be crazy cheap and it's going to be a crazy um, great buying opportunity. I just don't think that's uh, where we are just yet. So we're looking, I reckon, uh, maybe eight. Um, there's, there's a low there from last year that I'd be really watching. Um, but I'm going to go sell as well, mm -hmm. despite how, how good I think this one is. All right. OK, let's uh, take a look. Our next five will be Treasury Wine Estates, Cyclot Farm, Life360, Ironbark, Zinc and Genesis Energy. Let's get into it with Treasury Wine Estate. Rory wanting to know about this, of course, does hold uh, those wine, those wine groups such as Behringer, Penfolds, the premium wine there, Wolf Plus. Um, Henry, we know the issues that it's had, uh, particularly as far as the Chinese market is concerned. It tried to push into the US. Where is Treasury wine at the moment then? Um, where is it at the moment? Well, I guess the question is, is, is wine a discretionary mm. spend or is it a I know what your answer will be. Well, <laughs> yes. 
So, um, you know, at the end of the day, this one should be and can be somewhat recession proof. The good thing about Treasury is that it does have the premium brands, the Penfolds, etc. But it also has the cheaper brands. And there was some suggestions uh, not long ago that it would split the company up and try and optimize the value that it has in the Penfolds brand, etc. And some of the US brands that it has. They have been really, really successful in the US with a bottle of wine called 19 Crimes. It is a line that they have Snoop Dogg on. They sold five million cases of this stuff. Now, the problem is that the guy behind this campaign who has made it very successful in the US, Ming Alterman, has left them recently and has gone to their competitors, Accolade. So that is a bit of a negative. Uh, they've obviously coped with the Chinese problem admirably. There was some dislocation, obviously, and there was some problems and the big growth that they saw in China has come to an end with those premium products. But you have to argue that in a recessionary environment, customers are still going to drink. In fact, they may even drink more to relieve the heartache. But uh, and in that case, Treasury Wines, lower quality, lower price brands may start to drive things. And, and the guys that can really afford, you know, the Grange and the and the, um, the 389s, et cetera, and the St. Henri's of this world uh, will probably continue to uh, to play those um, those those wine games. So for me, it's a hold at the moment. The, the U.S. is the big sort of opportunity for these guys. That uh, Snoop Dogg 19 Crimes has done extraordinarily well for them, and it really has kind of repositioned the company to some extent, and uh, it's really helped them in in the U.S. So I think this one is a hold. It certainly hasn't cratered like the rest of the market has done. It has been going pretty much sideways. So I think that's likely to continue for me. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't think we have our charts up at the moment, but um, we can imagine it, Carl. Uh, as Henry <laughs> said, there, it has been trading sideways, certainly between you know, $11, $12 thereabouts. Yeah, well, let me let me go back 12 months and I'll just describe it candle by candle for viewers just so they can get a picture in their mind. No, I'm, I'm joking, of course. Uh, look, it is flat. It's as, as flat as you can get. Um, so all my indicators are just flatlining here. So I can't add anything to what Henry said. It's a great summary of where the business is at. I'm a little bit more concerned about uh, potentially if, if we, you know, I said, what, 55, 45 chance of recession, the US 60-40, you know, maybe um, you know, consumers are going to go down the value chain. And uh, because Treasury Wine Estates have sold off a lot of those um, those budget brands and they've, you know, deliberately pivoted towards a premium, that that could be a bit of a headwind. But, you know, put, putting that aside, it's just so ho-hum for me. The chart, uh, we have it, there we go. It's just so flat. It, it's, not, it's not telling me, uh, you know, because markets are, are, are risk and reward, right? In terms of risk, well, that's the stock. Um, you know, stocks are risk. They're just great big balls of risk. And in order to take on that risk, you have to see the, the potential in it. And looking at that chart, the market is not seeing the potential there. It's not terrible because, to be fair, it's absolutely smashed the rest of the market. It's totally shot the lights out in terms of the rest of the market because the market's down, you know, 10 15%. This one's the same price. So in that regard, you're 15% ahead by it going nowhere. But going nowhere is not good enough for me. So, uh, you know, there's some growth, the valuation. I'm just trying to find a reason to buy. I can't. If I can't find a reason to buy, I have to go sell. Oh, okay. All right. Sounds as though you're under pressure there, but that's a, that's a call which we like. Okay, let's move <laughs> right along then. Uh, Cyclofarm. Uh, it's uh, radio pharmaceutic. Um, I don't even know what that mm -hmm. means, but anyway, we'll get into it. Um, it's uh, 
the US uh, Food and Drug Administration, in fact, knocked back its uh, drug application for Technigas. It has tools to diagnose and manage patients suffering from asthma and chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. Um, GT wanted to get a view saying it has distribution in 63 countries, pays a dividend, and expecting FDA approval next year. Carl, what are your thoughts? Maybe, uh, maybe. Uh, the company's certainly banking on that occurring. Uh, it's interesting that the company pays a dividend. Oh, okay. Well, I thought, you know, pays a dividend. Uh, it's one of those few, um, you know, pharmaceutical, biopharma, biotech companies that are making profits. You know, how about that? Making profits, pays a dividend, and maybe going, for, you know, for this great big upside with, with a particular product. It doesn't seem to be the case. I mean, my digging, I'm happy to be proved wrong, uh, suggests that they've been losing money for a few years. They had a couple of winning years, but last few years losing money again. And they're still paying dividends. So uh, plus they raised money last year as well. They raised about 30 million. So for me, I'm going, well, you're not making profits. Uh, you're cash flow negative and yet you're paying a dividend. So that dividend is just coming out of cash. It's just coming out of shareholder funds. So that is prob probably the most curious thing about this company and might even be a reason for some people to say, well, <laughs> thanks, but no thanks. Uh, when you dig into the business, look, they're, 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 they do have a product there which they're selling uh, in Canada through Europe. Um, this Technigas, basically, um, I won't get into the too much of the, 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 the details, but you, you inhale this stuff effectively before you go for your, your lung scan to um, diagnose pulmonary embolism. And uh, obviously, you sit in front of a a machine that shoots gamma rays at you, okay, and then um, you can see basically a picture of the lungs. Um, so the market they're going for is about 4 million procedures annual in the US for pulmonary embolism diagnosis. About 15% of the market is nuclear medicine. The other 85% is your standard sort of CT scan, okay? Um, so they're targeting more the 15% than the 85% uh, because their product uh, is, they say, 27 to 36 times safer than the standard uh, nuclear uh, medicine alternative. Uh, so it's still, a, you know, a pretty big chunk of change if they can get get that it'll it won't go get into the 85 percent even though they're predicting some um sort of intrusion into that because uh, ct scanners are at every suburban radiology practice not so for uh, gamma and uh, the spec cameras as well so it's more hospital stuff and then you're pretty limited in what you can do because um uh, uh so i shouldn't say that it's 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 more of an adjunct uh, and the reason why i know all this stuff is because my wife uh, is an ultrasonographer she works in a radiology practice and she gave me the whole rundown on this so oh, so you know exactly what radio she said she said look forget the 85 percent nobody's they're not going to use this there's, there's no point okay um, but maybe they can make some progress on the 15 percent the market cap i'll get to the point market cap's only 110 million so they don't need it to hit all that well anyway to probably justify that. Um, I think there's something here. I think there's there's a business case here. So then let me look at the chart, and that's and that's where it ends. Um, yeah, the chart is long term downtrend. Probably could have, should have started with the chart. Um, guess, unfortunately, uh, we don't have the chart again. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we don't have the chart. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's long term downtrend. It has had a little bit of a bounce, but I'm going to say uh, sell the rally on that bounce because I think. Um, it, 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 we're too far out. We're, we're in that. We're, we're two to three years away um, from. Uh, making money here. Okay. So I think 
you know, if there's going to be an opportunity, it'll be down the track. I yeah. will give you some bonus buys, though. In terms of um, biopharma, uh, the one I covered a couple of weeks ago on this show, Reiki Pharm- Pharmaceuticals, I think looks way better yeah. uh, and, and is a better commercial case. Um, and Terrace Technologies, ticket code AVR and Polynovo are the three in terms of the technicals I would look at instead. All right. Okay. Yeah, that chart essentially was going sideways, came off in April. And in fact, it's been a 30% bounce just in the past week or so. Uh, but thanks for explaining radio pharmaceutical. Um, as you said, obviously, you've got to take something and then you get the scan. So that makes sense. Henry, you get it? Um, I think we should get Carl's wife on, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Exactly. <laughs> I, I think she sounds very smart and should do all the pharmaceutical, the radio pharmaceutical companies. Uh, that we look at because uh, clearly she's she's an expert in this field. So bring her on, Kyle. That's what I say. As far as this one goes, it's another one that trades by appointment. Again, you know, it's had a really good blip up. It had a good business update, record revenues. Obviously, the US is the big hope. They're hoping to get FDA approval mid next year. Uh, that would be, I guess, a game changer. They've also benefited from the COVID in terms of diagnosis of long COVID. Uh, which they're using the Technogas thing for, as I'm sure Carl's wife knows. But um, it's just it's just too thin. That's the problem. They've got cash. They've got 26 million bucks. Uh, it's not the biggest market cap in the world. But, you know, 7,000 shares have traded today. Again, you know, if you wanted to buy and sell this, the, the, the you know, there's a $0.09 spread from $1.32 to $1.41. Um, and it's just hard work in these sorts of stocks. It did have a good bounce on the back of this business update, but um, you know you've, you've really got to be banking on that FDA approval next mm. year. And even then, it's 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 going to be pretty much dependent on volume. But um, you know, if you wanted to buy twenty thousand of these things, good luck. You'd be struggling. You'd probably be pushing them up to a dollar fifty without any trouble at all. So um, yeah, it's just it gets hard in these these small ones. That's the problem. Yep. Okay. So you're just avoiding it at this point. Okay. Yep. Let's move on to Life360. Kim Wannington about this. It does uh, uh, develop and deliver mobile apps for families. Uh, that would be my family. Uh, that's provided communications, driving safety, location sharing. Although it's not yet making a profit, it's feeling invasive, actually. It, uh, everyone in your family knows where you are. Henry? I think this is slightly creepy. I've got to say, Andrew. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've always had a bit of a, a slight sort of uh, creepiness that um, I felt about this stock, I must admit. But obviously, it's it's a big thing in the US. Clearly, this is this is where their big market is. They've got 40 million monthly active users, so that's not a bad uh, start. And they are doing quite well. Their latest earnings guidance was pretty good. But the stock, of course, and the other plus is they've got Randy Zuckerberg on the uh, the board. Now, Randy is the uh, the sister of Mark Zuckerberg of Metaverse or meta fame, Facebook fame, obviously. So um, that was a big, big plus, and that did send the shares skyrocketing to uh, nearly 14 bucks. And here we are at uh, below four bucks. Where are we now? Around uh, $3.50. It's had a big run in the last few sessions. Again, it's one of these stocks that got really whacked coming into the end of tax year. I think there was a lot of towel throwing going on in a lot of these stocks. People just gave up, gave up hope. And just wanted to uh, to get out at any cost, take the tax loss, move on, clear the decks. So it has bounced quite well. I think the bounce will continue, to be honest, because there is this sort of shift back towards these growth stocks to some extent, especially as we're seeing bond yields 
in the US and here under pressure. So it's probably, I'd say, a speculative buy. It's one of these momentum stocks, yep. but we could see momentum increase. It is a bit creepy, though. Okay. Um, they don't only track people, but they also track things. They have uh, a couple of acquisitions. Tile was one of the things that right, they yeah. tracked. We uh, put a tile on the things that are important to you, and you can track those things. So it is a bit creepy, but um, it's clearly got its its place, and uh, it is doing relatively well. The last update was pretty good, so I wouldn't be surprised to see this one go higher from here. So it's probably a buy. Okay, Let's put a buy on it. Let's buy something. Yep. Yeah, indeed. Well, it's speculative, but it's a buy, as you say. Carl, what are you seeing there, particularly the chart? We do have the chart to go to. Yeah, well, I can see why you might be attracted uh, to this one to buy it, uh, because the, the very short-term trend is turning up. The candles that are coming in now are really, really, uh, really good. So really prospective for a continued rally. I can see it, um, but the long-term trend I think is still to the downside, and I want to I want to trust that. So look, I can get to a hold. Um, it's a big cash burn, so you know, obviously, you get a very small amount per user. You have to tip in a great number of users to eventually, somewhere down the track, if you add enough, make profits. Um, but you know, software as a service uh, sort of sort of margins. Uh, from there look uh, it's one of those ones again it's just about being in it for a good time not a long time i think the good yeah, until until i see it's a good time again i, I just i think i'm just going to go I'll, I'll go hold on the basis that maybe there's the low but uh, it's not yet a buy on the chart okay fair enough all right we better uh, move it right along two stocks to go running a bit at shorter time uh, our next one is iron bark because i think Tariq wanting to know about this a junior explorer uh, in Greenland, uh, say I no, never normally invest in a stock that's in that location, even more remote. Uh, however, apart from keeping an eye on the stock, I've bought because of a few reasons, given that its market cap is half the size of what the company's invested over the years to prove up the resource. And given that they've also got permits, except one which is related to detailed design of the mine processing plants, which will come when they get funding, hopefully, I'm not completely crazy buying it. It does go on, but uh, be very specific here, Carl. What are you, what are you seeing as far as uh, Ironbark Zinc? And of course, you know, once again, we're talking commodities here and where they've gone. Yeah, look, I think Tarek's on the right track with this one. He mentions that the market capitalization is about 35 million. Uh, I don't know so much about well what they've invested. I mean, what they've invested is nothing. Is worth nothing if. They're not going to, you know, get to a mine, um, but I think they will get to a mine. I mean, they're, they're, it's just about getting the funding sorted out now. So they've got a commitment for about 650 million uh, from one uh, bank, if I'm not mistaken, and they're going to need a bit more because the, it's, the capex is 650, but that's you need more than that. You need to keep the business running uh, and you know pay the debt, and so so they need another partner that they and they're, they're on the verge of potentially signing that. There's a, a Norwegian uh, mob that uh, does the sort of uh, construction and mining uh, services side of things, looking to take maybe an equity uh, side of um, equity stake here to to give them that extra funding. Um, but they're, you know their bankable feasibility study stays. So just it, it's it's important if you're looking at a mining company that there are there are companies that are kicking over rocks in the desert that have nothing. They're hoping to find something. And then you can't, you've got companies like. Ironbuck, which is just so far progressed down the track. They've done the hard yards and it takes five to 10 years to get to where these guys are, to have a, a compliant resource, to have the bankable feasibility study, to, to get the, the funding, to get equity partners, um, to get binding offtake agreements, which they had for 70%. Um, you know, Zinc, um, obviously, you know, it's gone up, it's come back, and yep. maybe that's why the share price has come back. But long story short here, this one is super, super interesting for me because it's so far progressed. Look, 
maybe they don't get the funding, but I still think at, at a 30 million market cap, there's so little downside here. So I'm going to um, absolutely uh, probably shock a few few viewers because I'm going to say as bad as the chart looks, this is a buy because it's a, spe- yeah, it's a speculative buy. It's a small portion of your portfolio, risk money only, because at two and a half cents, given the progress they've made, I can't see what your downside is past two and a half cents clearly and your upside is significantly more. So from that risk reward perspective, I'd go buy on this Okay, apologies again. We don't have the chart. To paint the picture though, uh, 12 months ago, I was at two cents. Uh, It went up to, at the end of the year, went up to six cents. It's now back down to two and a half cents. Uh, So given that, Henry, how do you see it? Yeah, I am an expert on Greenland, Andrew. You'll be pleased to know. Okay. Uh, Mainly mainly because I've been watching the latest series of Borgen. Oh. which uh, is, takes place between uh, Greenland and Denmark, where they find an awful lot of oil off Greenland and the political consequences in terms of finding that. And that's the problem with Ironbark. It's always been the problem with Ironbark. It's the same problem that uh, GGG, which is um, another one in the same kind of area, is. It's in Greenland. And it's really, it's not an easy environment to get approvals. That, as Carl says, they're a long way down the track. But this is a $30 million company that is trying to raise and get funding for, you know, $700 million worth of CapEx. I mean, come on, really? Is this going to happen? I, I would find that quite difficult to contemplate in current climate. Now, if zinc was double the price and the commodity boom was in full rain again and it was going nuts, then maybe they would be able to get this through. But as the commodity cycle falls away and we've seen, you know, the likes of BHP fall away, etc., then it's going to get harder to fund these things. People are going to be a bit more circumspect, especially if you're in Greenland. It's not easy. Yep. It's environmentally pristine. Why would you? Um, you know, it's going to. It's not easy. So this, this to me, if it's just, you know, if you're a real specky punter, then yeah, go for it. But okay. to be honest, I think there's other things I'd rather buy in specky punter land. I've been caught out with Ironbark before. They make big song and dances about the Citronen project and uh, it never really happens okay it's it's a big ask for a 30 million dollar company i know they've been there a long time but so have the eskimos all right yeah <laughs> yeah true all right so uh, that's a no from you then uh, maybe you're interested in genesis energy that's our last stock sally wanted to know about this uh we'll go with gne um it's again it's another one of these thin ones it's a new zealand company yep um it's pretty solid in terms of its distributions but it's um, you know 6.4% yield, no franking. You buy it for the yield, but uh, it has got not a lot of liquidity in it. So again, it's been on this sort of slide for uh, for some time. Genesis Energy, uh, as you rightly point out, Genesis Minerals is bidding for Dacian Gold. Quickly, um, give us which, uh, give us your view on that then. Uh, Dacian Gold or Genesis? Oh well, there's a lot of consolidation going on in the gold sector. I I think that. Um, you know, we'll wait and see how it uh, shakes out, but the gold price isn't helping. But uh, probably prefer Genesis Energy as opposed to Genesis Minerals just at the moment. So so what would you do with that? Uh, it's a hold. Hold, yep. Okay. Sorry for the confusion then. Um, Carl, Genesis Energy, yep, G-N-E, well, let's get that straight. Well, I only just learned you're, you're a gold bug a couple of weeks ago, Andrew. Andrew I didn't, didn't know that. Um, so maybe you're trying to slip, slip that one in on us. But uh, Genesis Energy <laughs> is the New Zealand uh, power producer, uh, 36% renewables, 64% thermal coal and gas production. They actually um, uh, have uh, produced oil and gas themselves. So it's a bit vertically integrated. Uh, anyway, if you were wondering what they're doing. In terms of the financials, uh, very flat growth trajectory from here. 
uh, as they make a more of a transition towards that renewable side of things. So just sort of, you know, you, you have to, you have to, what you take away from one, it's, you're not exactly going to get back from the other um, straight away. Uh, as Henry said, six and a half percent unfranked yields, that's less attractive to me, especially given that, uh, you know, long-term yields are much higher now than where they were just six months ago. 17 times earnings for no growth is crazy, silly, cheap, uh, crazy, silly, expensive for me, you have to be careful. Uh, so with no growth uh, and expensive on the valuation and, and the chart looks terrible as well, uh, it goes cross, 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 sell for me. All right. And I do note also that they're about to lose their chief executive. So uh, movement at the top. Yes. Right. Well, CEO, CFO and CTO all gone in the last yep. 12 months. Never a good look at that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's sum up then where we've been for the second half of the show. And we began there with Treasury Wine Estate. Uh, it was a hold there from Henry. Seeing opportunity in the States. Uh, a sell from Carl Cyclofarm. And uh, Carl managed to explain that well, courtesy of his wife. Um, that is a sell, though, um, a sell on the rally. A no there from uh, Henry saying, once again, it trades by appointment. Uh, Life360, a speculative buy there from Henry. A hold from Carl. Ironbark, a buy from Carl. Henry's not interested. Specky buy. Specky buy. Fair enough. Total specky buy. And Genesis Energy, not resources, um, a hold there. Uh, from Henry and a sell from Carl. All right, uh, sorry for the confusion there at the end, but uh, and apologies also that we didn't manage to get all those charts up for the show. Henry, thanks so much for joining us, Marcus, today. Always a pleasure, guys. Thanks very much for having me. And Carl from Think Markets, as always, thanks. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, Henry. Catch you later. All right, any stocks you'd like us to cover, flick us in the email, the call at ausbiz.com.au, or you can tweet us at TV. And a reminder where to find those stocks, if you head to ausbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.